0: Hey everyone, we're back with the District 3 podcast, episode 184. My name is Edwin.
1: And this is Elena.
0: And today we're joined by someone in the, uh, well, two people in the community who are doing a lot of good work for the organization, the NWA Center for Sexual Assault. Introducing Angie Molina and Sarah Cano. Thank you both for joining us today. How are you?
2: Thank you. Thank you for inviting us.
0: Uh, excited to learn you know a lot about the work that y'all are doing um, at this time what the organization is doing and the upcoming event coming up on april 22nd but one of the things that we like to start when we interview someone is to talk about you know a little bit about who they are as individuals um are y'all both here born in arkansas in arkansas no no i I didn't think so but where where were you all born
3: you go first okay so i was born in houston texas Mm -hmm. 1993 1983. Don't guess my age. Padres, mom, Colombian, father, Mexican-American.
0: Okie dokie. Okay, I didn't know you were part Mexican.
3: Yeah, not a lot of people do. um, Just because I wasn't raised, like, Mm -hmm. culturally-wise on the Mexican-American side. Mm -hmm. I've always known my mom's side. I've been to Colombia. I lived in Colombia. um, So that's all I've known. Okie dokie. so and I've tried em. claiming it the other side, and they're like, "Okay, you're not Mexican enough, or whatever." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, well, okay, oh, yeah." Well, <laughs> I
0: think I, th- I think it's okay for you to claim yeah you know, what you are. I think uh, I know for me, if you're, I mean, if you're. If you have the Mexican blood in you, then you are Mexican. doesn't matter mm-hmm. what other people say. But I, I was wondering, because I know you claim more like the Colombian stuff. Yeah. Side I see on,
1: on Instagram. And I've
3: never and been to Mexico, so I never, I don't know. But okay. I do have a lot of Mexican friends. And then when y'all play that banda, <laughs> my blood the just blood. starts, okay, we're good. You, you see,
1: if
0: you, feel it, the, if you yeah. feel it in the blood, then you are. Yeah. If you, like, have to tap your feet yeah. and you know, you start you start dancing, then then you're part of the culture. And I so. eat
3: spicy foods. Colombian hey. people don't. Yeah, do yeah, so. sweet.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There you yeah. go. Mm-hmm. What about you, Angie?
2: Um, I was born in El Salvador. I was born in El Salvador. Both my parents are Salvadorian, so I very live that traditional Salvadorian culture life. So, yeah, I was born into um, June 29, two thousand. So,
0: oh, a two thousand baby. a
2: two thousand <laughs> baby. I'm a young baby. I'm, I think gen- I'm. A, I think I'm the youngest one in the center. Yeah, you are. Yes,
0: Gen Z. Gen Z, right? You're the only... Well, <laughs> Elena's Gen Z, too. Are Elena, you? Elena, Elena, what year were you born <laughs> like?
2: Let's not talk about you're my
0: You're super age. young. You're super young. <laughs> like, I, I, uh, you're super young, so it's not embarrassing. Um, but, Angie, so when did you move here to, to the U.S.?
2: Um, I moved here when I was... I. It was one. One years old, but um, every summer... My brother was born here in the United States. Um, that's when we moved here. But I, we tried to until I was ten. We tried to move, uh, go to El Salvador in the summer. Mm-hmm. So I kind of lived the life here and then over there. So I just recently we just went to El Salvador probably like in the middle of March. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, March in the middle of March. Based yeah. on
0: what you've seen, how have things changed in El Salvador? Because I know there's oh, been a lot of change goodness. the past few years.
2: Um, it's so much better there. I just remember as a kid, you know. It was just very scary. I remember my parents would always tell me that like, um, you know, that we couldn't go back because, you know, this was what was going on. Especially, I live in a un pueblo that's named, um, well, I was born in Zacatecoluca, which is, when I say that to people, they're like, what? Like, because mm. it's so long. Um, but where my neighborhood's called Cambo Verde. So, you know, because we live like more in the country, there was a lot more um, violence, you know, there was, all that stuff there and there was a while we couldn't come we couldn't go um but uh, last year was the first time that I went in seven years and it was huge difference just because there's a lot of everyone just feels safe there you know there's (laughs) what the ass you know there's army you know there but what's scary is is that you see like the policemen and they're loaded just in case where something gonna happen. But mm. this time when I went there was not much of that. You know, there was after hours when people close their business, you know, there's people on in the streets doing Zumba and stuff. That's and cool. so mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of really cool because, you know, back then we couldn't, we weren't able to go out at night just because wow. that's where los bandilleros would come out. Mm-hmm. So that's now. crazy
0: because in Mexico, you don't, you see, you see guards with, with guns. You don't know if they're on your side or they're exactly. against you. <laughs> you know, exactly. it's like, uh, but I'm guessing y'all are big, like, on naive. Bukele. Right? Oh my
2: my mom is my mom loves him. I feel like every Salvadorian person has been actually just there's actually so my uncle, he works for the government over there and mm. he's not a big fan just because Already? he sees from he sees from one point of view and stuff, but my mom is obsessed with him. My mom had a a jersey with his face on it, you know. There's, <laughs> there's like, you know, those decorations that you put on, like on, on your, uh, on your fridge, like the magnets. There's yeah. one of him. There's a hat. And it helps that he's a cutie too. i
3: mean, yeah. I told <laughs> to Sarah I, I like,
2: gave like uh, not a presentation, but I t- we talked about for a good 30 minutes. It's just like he's so cute. Oh my gosh, look at the good stuff he's doing. And we're big, like we're two like dog people. And so he wow. like did like a like. He created a whole vet mm-hmm. just for the dogs over there, and she was like, "That's well, even more like more green flags everywhere." Yes.
3: <laughs> when
0: I went to the to the I forgot what it's called that La Pulga in Dallas, the uh-huh. big Pulga in Dallas, they had like a bunch of flags with his face and shirts with his sh- with his face, and some people were wearing them. I'm like, man, yes, like he, it's crazy, like the amount of love that he gets from Salvadorian
1: people.
2: Yeah, no. because he's the he's the reason why Salvador is the safest Central American country right now. That's mm-hmm. what. It used to be the number one most dangerous. Now it's like the safest one. And they're
0: about to have the um, uh, Miss Universe pageant there. Yeah, that was is a Is it this one. year or next? Year? I think uh, it's this year.
2: Right? I think it's this year, probably. That's yeah. so
0: cool. Well, I'm, I'm yeah. glad for the Salvadorian people that feel safe. Hopefully, Mexico can get to that point someday. Yeah. Because I'm scared about, of going, but I'm going to go, but I'm scared of going. But, I can't um, go
1: to, to Jalisco. Certain parts of Jalisco, I can't go. Oh, yeah. Jalisco is like I'm one of the hotspots. i family, yeah. Oof. I mean, mm. even right there in Juarez is bad, so...
0: Yeah, that's where I'm going to go, but, um, (laughs) Jesus, um, but so you all have been working for the NWA center for sexual assault, Angie, you told me since October, right?
2: Yes. October is when I started there.
0: Yeah. And Sada, when did you start?
3: Um, okay. So a little bit of background. I used to work there. I started in twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. and then, however, um, then I left and went to work for the Benton County Courthouse in Bentonville. Mm-hmm. I was there for about almost a year and then came back um, last year, I think. Right? Oh no, oh. You, I wasn't there. <laughs> I think I saw you yeah, last, year. About yes. last year. Yeah, last year. And then I took on the program of anti-human trafficking specialist. So.
0: What what are, what are some things that you feel you might have taken, you know, from your experience at the, the Bank County uh, office to what you're doing now? Was there something that you think that maybe you might have learned over there that you can kind of use Of course, use yes.
3: Um, orders of protections, the oh, yeah. qualifications, for mm-hmm. one. Um, I had to interact with a lot of victims of domestic violence and mm-hmm. criminal cases, um, so I had to deal with a lot of DV cases and other type of criminal cases but Mm. I've learned to how to communicate with them and work with them um, versus at the center is a little bit different Mm. Um, working with survivors um, a lot of them would like for you to follow up with them but it's not honestly a constant communication they're not I don't want to use the word needy but you won't hear from them on a daily basis like you would the victims at the courthouse in criminal cases. That mm-hmm. makes sense.
0: They have higher needs, you know. It's the a, higher needs. That's high, what it is. Yeah.
3: So of course, I learned to, you know, be able to deescalate any type of situation that they may be in, and like if they're in crisis, be able mm-hmm. to deescalate that and help. Just being there for them. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what I brought back to the center.
0: And Angie, um, this work specifically, um, what drawed you to do this kind of work?
2: Well, um, before I came to the center, I actually worked at the women's shelter, um, so that was really my 1st experience on, um, you know, learning how to be an advocate when it comes to domestic violence or sexual assault, but um, I have knew that, you know, with because of what has happened to me when I was a child, so a little background, a little bit, my parents um, got divorced, and my dad was... Well, my mom was in a domestic violence situation. There was never Mm. physical, but there was always the emotional side. There was, you know, um, the holding the the kids, you know, finance and everything. And Mm. so I remember that as a kid, um, we tried to go to a center, see if they can help my mom. But there was a language barrier there, and they weren't able to help my mom. And for some reason, as a kid, that would always, like, it would always bother me, like, how they couldn't help my mom because of language barriers. So I knew, like, going to school and everything, I knew that, you know, I want to learn to, what can I do? I didn't think about, you know, I was going to be an advocate, you know, for the Center Sexual Assault. Um, but I wanted to be something, and I was grateful enough to give in this opportunity to work at the center to, you know, try to be that advocate that I wish my mom had mm. so they can help her. And same thing, and that's why... Um, You know, it's till this day, like when I work with different types of clients, you know, going to different situations, depending where they're from, you know, that's a problem, you know, when it comes to sexual assault, even in, and like the language barrier. And also, you know, because of the culture, you know, our culture, we don't really talk about domestic violence, sexual assault, because it has been normalized, you know, to past generations. So, um, you know, I feel like it's not my job, but what I try to do is like, I want to, Break that chain. Mm. I want to break that chain, and you know, or at least I want to help like new generations break that change now.
0: Isn't that crazy? The fact that there's so many places that still don't have, you know, people that speak the languages. You know, Mm -hmm. I get it. There's a lot of languages, right? But Spanish, like, come on, you should have someone now that speaks Spanish. I know that I went like to the Washington County Courthouse like two years ago and didn't have anybody that spoke Spanish there. I was like, washington county where springdale's at like yeah and you don't have anybody that speaks spanish here um and uh but that's that's powerful though you know to be able to kind of see what your mom needed and they're not being you know that resource and you stepping up and being like hey you know i want to i want to be that person so when someone comes in that doesn't have that doesn't speak english they can see me and be like oh i feel safe with her you know yes. i can talk to her and she's going to be able to help me out that's that's pretty powerful. Yeah,
2: and I and I try to be. I mean, I know Sarah does too. I've, you know, since starting at the center, I really I've admired Sarah. I've seen like a lot of things what she does, how she communicates with the clients, and um, I I try to be because I'm very like in I'm very like I don't want to intervene. I don't I I feel like if I can't stand up for myself, why can I stand up for other people? But mm-hmm. because of things that I've heard also what I have like experienced as well that made me like you know what if no one else is going to at least let me do it let me stand up for that person that needs help when when it comes to that language barrier or you know if um, there's very abusive parents you know if a daughter was sexually assaulted and stuff you know they make her feel guilty because of that you know and so you know I try to make you know that that person who was assaulted you know that's not your fault you know I understand that you know long as we lived under the parents roof we have to respect our parents decision and stuff but mm-hmm. you know i try to let remind them like you know you are your own person especially if you're over the age of 18. you know you do have your own voice that you can make for yourself yeah so
0: have, and, and i'm not sure if you, you you all probably talk about this or have situations like this but and i'm not sure if this is just something in our community or if it's in other communities as well but i always you know it for me it's really difficult whenever there is abuse in the family specifically to like a child and stuff and other family members like are okay with having this person continue showing up to parties showing up to like events and stuff and uh completely like move the feelings of the kid to the side because they care so much about their brother or they care so much mm-hmm. about their you know their dad all these different things and um when i when i was a kid i mean our family has experienced that we've had like abusers predators in the family and i've seen how my family has like protected them And it wasn't until I was an adult when I was like, that's fucked up.
1: It's Mm -hmm. messed up.
0: You know, like, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. Like, we have to. I don't want to say, like, completely, like, put, like, completely, like, bar them from everything. But, you know, take some action. Like, either talk to them or press charges, all these different things that you can do to protect whoever was abused. Mm -hmm. I think
3: part of that is, like, um, in in our Hispanic culture, it's like, okay, what happened in the family? stays in the family. Don't talk about it. Move on. Forget about it. Um, another part of it is they don't think oh my god how could he I mean you see somebody put together very charismatic very friendly very muy de familia and everything like the part of trauma like shocking like wait you did this but mm. they don't know how to process that no. and they just can't believe that person did what they did and mm. so part of it coping it would be just moving on forget about it let's Hang out. We are still a family at the end of the day. Here's the thing with me personally: I don't care if you're my family. If you're toxic, I'm gonna cut you off. If you're yes. abusing me verbally, mentally, physically, emotionally, I'm cutting you off. Mm-hmm. But that's part of because we in in the advocacy world. Apart apart from the advocacy world, we have to also unlearn a lot of bad habits. Unlearn a lot of. um bad healthy, unhealthy relationship that we had. Mm-hmm. You know, part of our job is also to go out and educate the Hispanic community, like just because you're married to this person and doesn't make it okay for them to we're gonna get real, but it doesn't make it okay for them to take advantage of you in bed, mm-hmm. um, without your consent. Mm-hmm. Just because he's your husband, because a lot of us women are submissive to mm-hmm. our husbands especially in the Hispanic culture, yeah. and they don't, they don't see it as rape. They don't yeah. see it as an assault. Yeah. Es que yo, yo, es I, I, I tried at first, you que know, finally, finally, yes, mm-hmm. okay, but at first you didn't want to, and that's yeah. still, you know, abuse right there. So a lot of these women that, oh, you know, when we go out and talk about healthy relationships, dating, all of that, it's like, it's like an eye-opener for them. That they Oof. don't realize that but it's still not going to come forward regardless it's just but it takes time so what mm. we do is even though they don't come forward to say or talk about their experiences or asking for help at least we're planting the seed to let them know we are here in case you do need us
0: yeah and i guess a lot of it's shame too right it's exactly like it's, mm. it's like once you tell someone that
3: victim blaming too
0: yeah, like oh. telling someone like that you don't know uh, what you've been through or people or even even telling someone that you do know, like a family member, like oh, this person did this. Look, I had I had this one experience one. I, th- I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. I was at a bar in Fort Smith. Uh, I was like 20, 21 years old. And uh, and in this person, this guy groped me while I was at the, <gasps> while I was getting a drink. And I and, and he w- and he was behind me and for me like I got mad and I told him off and stuff, but I didn't even think. But it, it
3: still affected you, right? I didn't think
0: about it until afterwards. And exactly.
3: I was like, yep. I was like, exactly. That's, that's oh
0: fucked up. <laughs> I didn't think about it like at the moment. I was just so mad, and I was like, dude, like, you know, being a dude, sometimes you kind of put those feelings yeah. aside, and you're just like, dude, get like, get away, like, like that's like. Uh, I was still kind of like in shock and stuff. My friends wanted to beat him up, but I was like, like, just whatever, just get. But then years afterwards, I was like, wow, like I, I guess I've been sexually assaulted before Mm -hmm. because I didn't know this person, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but when I thought about it, I was ashamed of it Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to talk about it Mm -hmm. because I was like, first of all, I was also, I know people have experienced worse like this, just a dude, right? But then I kind of put myself to the side and I was like, no, but this is an experience that I went through. And this is something that affected me. Mm -hmm. So, like, I have to talk about it. I have to mention it. But there is a lot of shame of of coming forward with it. It Especially in men. Yeah.
3: Because men do get assaulted, whether it's from another man or another woman, believe it or not. And I feel so, so, like, me da lastima because it's like society have this mindset of like okay you're a guy you're supposed to like it cheese,
2: you, yeah,
3: you you got laid you're supposed to like it okay no you t- you got taken advantage of yeah. if you don't remember the act if you didn't consent to it you got taken advantage of and yeah. I just want to let everybody know man like it's okay to come forward to talk to one of us um everything that w- what we do and what we talk about is confidential mm-hmm. nobody has to know you know, your situation, nobody has to know that you called a crisis line um, mm. because everything that we do is confidential. What happens at the center was being discussed at the center does not come outside of the center.
0: Is the first contact with you all, is it done through phone? Is it the first contact? The yes. way people contact? for the most
3: part. So um, it depends. Some people call uh, on behalf on the survivor. Mm-hmm. So we have law enforcement who may call or nurses at the hospitals who may call for a forensic exam mm. and we'll get into that but um, they'll be the one calling okay this person was assaulted we need to schedule a forensic exam so what that means is um, they schedule a forensic exam with our own call nurses and basically we gather all the evidence because your body's a crime scene at that point. Mm -hmm. So we gather all the DNA, all the evidence that we may gather, and then, um, however, before we get to all that, we ask for verbal consent from the survivor. Because for example, if it's a third party calling on behalf of the client, we call them client or survivors. So if Angie discloses something to me that happened to her, and I know the center's information. Okay, you know what, I'm gonna call them because that's not it, like we need to get you there now. And I call them, there's always an advocate on call, for one, 24 hours, seven days of the week. Two, that advocate can inform that person of the services and whatnot, however, we're not gonna make an appointment without the client's or the survivor's consent. Because she might be, she might not want to come forward at that moment. Yeah. But because her friend or somebody else, the loved one, is looking mm-hmm. out for the best interest for them, they want to pressure her. At the end of the day, we go by what the survivor, the client, wants. But we also advise them, like, okay, you know, it's okay if you don't want to come in for an exam, but just know, 96 hours is the window.
0: Legally, is that, or what do you mean, the window? 96 hours.
3: So the 96 hour window, I think it's,
2: it's more like um, where the DNA evidence could go away. So the oh. max is yeah. 100. The if it's possible, depending on the situation, the mm-hmm. max is 120 hours, but that's usually approved by like our forensic nurses to see like what has happened. But that's where like the the DNA evidence, for example, so if um, a, like the perpetrator was licking or kissing on your neck and stuff, you know, there's that He's DNA. It's still fresh. Yeah. There's that DNA evidence of him, you know, the d- whatever he has on, on his neck. Some
3: type of fingerprint, anything, yeah. fluids, bodily fluids, is still there. Yeah. Um, so we try great. to get them in as early as possible. But um, we understand that sometimes they don't want to, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but we do educate them on the importance of coming in. The Mm. earlier, the better. Um, Just so we can wrap it up in evidence, Mm -hmm. and we send it off to the crime lab in Little Rock, and it'll be a lot easier to find any Mm. traces of DNA.
0: Do y'all like do follow-ups? Like, if someone needs to, uh, someone needs to go to a shelter. Mm -hmm. Do y'all like? Who do y'all work with on that? Because I don't think y'all have a shelter, right?
3: We don't. We're not a shelter-based program, but um, we do work with Peace at Home. Mm -hmm. We work with the Women's Shelter. Um, Worst-case scenario, like, for example, my program on the anti-human trafficking program, so part of my services is providing relocation assistance. Mm -hmm. However, a lot of these survivors or victims of human trafficking do not qualify for getting... It's in a, you know, domestic violence shelter mm. because it's not an intimate partner mm. or whatever the case might be. So I come in and maybe helping them get a hotel room for at least a night or two, which we try to avoid due to the history um, of the survivor mm-hmm. because it's a trigger. Not only is a mm-hmm. trigger, but it's easier for the trafficker to track them down. Yeah. Um, but that would be our last resort. But we do... Um, we do try to find shelters in the area, even if it's in Forsyth, because we have there's 15 other girls or guys in my position, so we can network.
0: Okay, I was gonna ask y'all, so how big is y'all's team here locally?
3: So the center for the sexual assault advocate it's just in Springdale. Okay. So that's just us. Um, we're the only center here in NWA, if I'm not mistaken, but um for the anti human trafficking. So we I work with Hub of Hope. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Hub of Hope, but Sounds they are here. another organization that focuses on helping um trafficking victims.
1: West Arkansas, if I'm not mistaken, has a very high rate of human trafficking. Um,
3: so we're actually a red state. We have a bad grade on helping yeah, mm-hmm. human trap uh, victims of trafficking. And we don't have a lot of resources.
1: And just last year they had closed down and, and did a lawsuit on a Springdale hotel yep. that was doing a lot of human trafficking to a lot of, like, you know, disproportionately mi- minority communities, specifically those in the Marshallese community, um, you know, and, and sometimes, um, you know, we, we get phone calls sometimes about um, just the works of, like, these kids don't know what's going on to them, mm-hmm. you know, they don't understand what what they're, mm-hmm. what they're being told. Do you guys have any resources and information to like let people know like this is what this looks like? These are the flags you should be looking for if you think there is human trafficking happening in your backyard because it very much is in mm-hmm. Northwest Arkansas. Um, would you mind sharing any of that
3: information? Yeah. Um, so I actually go out and do presentations about that identifying red flags. One of them is if your minor carries a lot of cash that they should not be carrying. I mean, even I don't have a lot of cash, like. We're talking about, let's say, $1,000, 2000 That's not normal for a minor to mm. be carrying. Um, a lot of hotel keys, a lot of them in their purse. Um, at the top of my head, I want to say if they look like their behavior changes, if they were one way, like, you know, very charismatic, very outgoing, and all of a sudden they're isolated, don't want to disclose anything, um, you'll see sometimes a couple of bruises on them, um, but I can go more into depth. Like do you this.
1: work with schools locally to, to help teachers also identify these things?
3: Um, that's the goal. Okay. That is the goal. Um, they do have their own training. They have their own agenda. Mm-hmm. As of right now, I'm working on um, doing training. Okay, so let me backtrack a little bit. So our centers serve 18 years old, 18 years old and up. So adults. So, um, but we do have a prevention education specialist that goes out to the schools, especially high school, Fayetteville High School, Springdale, and talk to, you know, 17-year-old, 18, I think, like the age of high school, Mm -hmm. 16, 17. Um, And then we kind of give them, we don't give them explicit information, but just try to touch base on, you know, sexual assault, what it looks like, like healthy relationship, consent, consent is key, all that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But... So, um, but the goal is to partner up with like foster care systems, um, train staffs to identify like we talked about. Mm -hmm. That is the goal. Again, the program just started, so we're working on that. Mm -hmm. Um, Going out to shelters and educate the staff because domestic violence and trafficking victims, it kind of goes pair and pair, they're very similarities, um, but they're two different groups, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. Um, behaviorally-wise, psychologically-wise. So we try to train staff on identifying whenever you do get a client coming into the shelter what type of question to ask, and if they do disclose any type of sign that they have been trafficked in the past, Mm -hmm. then they can contact me. If I can't provide any resources for whatever reason, then we can go ahead and work with Hub of Hope. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the whole point of creating you know that network
0: what are some other resources that we haven't mentioned today that the center provides for folks listening besides what we have talked about if there's any other that comes to mind that you can think of
2: counseling Uh. Mm. we have free counseling free counseling and support groups so basically like there's no requirement well the one requirement I guess you can say is um, that you have to experience sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it was ten years ago, four years ago, three years ago. it Doesn't matter if that's something that has been bothering you within your life, and it's like finally you do want to go to therapy about that. Um, that's something that we do offer. Then support groups as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but counseling is one that you know a lot of people don't know, especially that it's free. And then talking about a subject that you know probably is like bothering them their whole entire lives, and after that they have kids and. You know, Mm -hmm. so counseling is one.
3: Um, We do community outreach. Mm -hmm. So educating the community, especially Spanish speakers, because her project is Estamos Contigo, which focuses on the Spanish-speaking communities. So we have a couple of other different projects. So we have Estamos Contigo. Then we have Project ARCH, which is LGBTQ+. We have an advocate for that. Then we have KKMI, which is a Marshallese project.
0: Mm -hmm. That's
3: cool. We have Let's Talk NWA focuses on the domestic violence in the African-American communities. Mm. And then we have Grace for Survivors, which is a faith-based outreach program. And then there's myself and then the prevention education specialist. So we all try to be inclusive to cover all the communities.
0: So if, if, if a Spanish speaker goes to the NWA Center for, uh, Center for Sexual Assault, do they speak to Angie?
2: Um, so there's... Three bilingual, mm-hmm. so it's me, uh, Maritza. She's the other, she's my other half of Estamos Contigo. Mm-hmm. But the other bilingual advocate, and then Sarah. Okay. So it's us three that they would come talk to. And so this, this
0: podcast is meant to be bilingual, so I'm gonna ask you in Spanish, uh, just so for the people that, that are listening. Uh, um, el Centro, I guess in Spanish, what what is what is the name el of the
3: Centro contra la que, Centro contra la agresión sexual de Noroeste de Arkansas. Okay. que estamos localizados aquí en, eh, en Springdale por la Sunset, enfrente uh-huh. de la iglesia de San Rafael.
0: Entonces, si alguien habla español, uh-huh. y no habla inglés y fue una víctima, uh-huh. uh, ¿Cuál es el proceso? Uh, uh, entonces, ¿les hablan por teléfono? ¿A qué número les hablan? ¿Cómo empiezan el, ellos el proceso en caso de que fueran víctimas de abuso sexual?
3: So, ellos pueden llamar a, ya sea a nuestra oficina, que operamos de ocho y media a cinco y media de la tarde pero si necesita servicios después de las cinco y media de la tarde está nuestra línea de crisis qué qué pena con ustedes que no me la sé de memoria me toca que agarrar el teléfono para proveer
0: hoy te la encuentro? Hoy te la encuentro.
3: Eh, entonces este pero siempre va a haber una persona que habla español y si no hay una persona que habla en español después de las cinco y media eh, la persona que habla inglés va a hacer todo lo necesario que pueda para buscar a la persona adecuada que, que traduzca en
0: español. El número que tengo es 479-347-2304.
3: Sí, ese es el de la oficina.
0: Ok. Y, y de ahí la, pueden, ¿pueden hablar con él en español si hablan ese número de teléfono?
3: Exactamente. Pueden llamar cualquier hora entre 8 y media a 5 y media. Okay. Pero si por cualquier cosa en tan medio de un crisis, y ya fueron pasadas de las cinco y media, pueden llamar a nuestra línea de, de crisis, que viene siendo un 800,
2: no sé si es que hay.
0: Y hay tres personas que, que hablan en español, ¿verdad? Incluyendo tú Angie. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sí, es, es
2: Sara, yo y Maritza.
0: Ok, entonces, si alguien, fue, otra vez, si alguien fue víctima de abuso sexual, pueden hablar y sentirse a gusto sabiendo que hay gente que va a hablar español, y porque a veces la gente, uh, hay mucha razón por a veces no, no hablan a la policía, ¿verdad? porque piensan que no hablan, que no hay que no hay alguien, gente que habla español, pero en este centro si sí hay alguien que va a hablar español y que les va a poder ayudar en su lenguaje. Sí, claro.
3: Eh, ellos, una cosa que quiero decir a la comunidad hispana es que uno no tienes que tener identificación, no, Dos, no tienes que ser legalmente aquí en los Estados Unidos para recibir nuestros servicios. Tres, no tienes que reportar a la policía. Mm. Entonces, este, como repito, cuando le le decimos que no tienes que reportar a la policía para nada en absoluto, si usted quiere hablar con nosotros, todo es confidencial, no sale del centro, eh, va a quedar, mejor dicho, entre usted y yo y hasta Dios. Mm mejor dicho entonces este clínica forense es igual si usted quiere eh, hacerse un examen no solamente porque es una evidencia que, porque pasó ocurrió un crimen pero también uno tiene que ver o sea si mi cuerpo está bien ya sea físicamente y internal cierto sí. entonces usted puede venir no tiene que no tener no tiene que tener aseguranza no tienes que tener nada nosotros hacemos todo el trabajo usted nomás Llame, hacemos la cita, cuadramos la cita con la enfermera que siempre va a estar una disponible 24 horas, 7 días a la semana. Mm. Y así hacemos el proceso, haz de cuenta, como en un médico. Entonces, este y siempre va a haber alguien ahí que la, que la va a apoyar a usted. O lo va a apoyar a usted. Mm-hmm.
0: So with, with this work the, that you all do, it's tough work. You all hear probably some really bad stories. Um, what do you do specifically to take care of your own mental health after kind of going through a work day full of all these, like, difficult stories and stuff? Do you all mm. do anything specifically? Uh, I know you probably work out. Uh, I see you on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> yeah. um,
2: so in the center, one thing that I'm very grateful for the center is that we have something that's called self-care. So usually all the advocates do have to go through that. And um, and it can they can talk to, like, one of the intern counselors. Pueda hablar de lo que quiera. Mm-hmm. Si algo que le molesta, you know, about a clinic, mm-hmm. okay, they can, can bring it on there. But it's, in a way, it's, you know, it's like, she, like how you said, she works out, you know. Um, my my thing is I cook. I mm-hmm. cook for, I. it's just me and my boyfriend and my dog, but I feel like I cook for, like, millions of people. Mm-hmm. That's, like, how I do that, like, if I'm anxious and stuff. But also self-care has helped a lot, you know, doing with this line of work.
0: What's your favorite dish to cook?
2: I love pasta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love pa- like good. any type of alfredo because I've always wanted to be that when I have kids. You know, I don't want to just cook that Salvadorian traditional food. I want to learn like. good. Yeah, <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs>
3: that's what I was about to say. Pael, if I could eat pupusas
0: pa- on a daily, yes. Sir. Okay,
2: <laughs> I don't say, like, uh, Trust me, it's as so someone sweet. who <laughs> eat who ate Salvadorian food for almost twenty. To yeah. You gotta to pass it down. Okay, <laughs> but you know what? I want my kids to experience any other type of food. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so. Uh, no so, more cooking, uh, cooking is your, your yeah, way cooking. of Cooking is my care mental Yeah, there you go. yeah, yeah. You,
0: do you do therapy? Yes. That's good.
2: Therapy has actually helped me a lot. As, as someone who's. G- I grew up, my mom would always be like. I like when I first like started having anxiety. It's because all of anxiety, and I'm just like, but you don't oh understand Oh my God! When they say uh-huh. a a <laughs> you te depression, <laughs> <los laughs> <laughs> <laughs> te te I'm Take like, a wait shot. a minute. I, yeah, I recently posted on my Facebook. Was there was like, what is a family trait that has passed on in your family? And I shared depression, and my mom oh. goes. Oh, pues, you know, la depresión se quita cuando limpias tu casa, and I'm like, that's I was like, that's not how that works, mom.
0: <laughs> I've had some people tell me like, just go to church and your depression will go away. I'm like, okay, it's great to have a relationship with God, right? But depression is real, and some people need medicine.
3: Yeah, yeah. some people need therapy. Yeah.
0: You know, um, what about you, Sarah?
3: So, I mean, aside from the gym. I mean, I try to get my nails done. That's my self-care. I like to get my nails done, my lashes done. Cuando hay plata, si no, mejor. But I do other stuff like cleaning, um, try to spend time with my friends, mm. and just being the present. Um, I live with my mom. She's a single mother. So I try to take her out, invite her to places, to just have that bonding time with her. She became my That's best cool. friend. So,
0: Family is so important. Mm. I, I know some people, like, have you know, may not have the best relation with their family. I have a really good relationship with mine. Yeah, and same. Like my well, fami- just my
3: mom.
0: <laughs> my family's like my everything. It's like it yeah. charges my batteries whenever yeah. I feel, you know, low on yeah. energy and stuff. Um, one of the things that I did want to touch on is that you all have an event coming up yes. on April 22nd. And can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Piñata Sam. So Piñata Sam is... Is an event that we have for Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So um, we're gonna have it April twenty second from twelve to four. So basically, with piñata Sam is you know we're using that, met- that metaphor to romper el silencio de uh, agresión sexual, right? That's uh, right. I've been having trouble with that. I say abuso sexual, pero turns with lies, But um, we try to break the silence of sexual assault. So um, so what we do is you know we go out to you know in Springdale you know, just go to any park or anything. But this year, we're kind of doing a little different. So usually, we do events just like, just do like the piñatas and the kids break the piñatas and everything and stuff. But this year, me, Maritza, and then our intern this year, uh, Anastasia, we wanted to do kind of like a resource fair. So growing up, um, I don't know if any of you guys have dealt with it, but I did, you know. Um, Growing up, as a 10-year-old, I had to interpret and then also translate a bunch of documents or Mm a doctor's appointment and stuff. And we were relied on to, like, find the resources, you know, for our parents. So, yep. what, in el día de Piñar, Sam, what we want to do is we want kids to be kids. So, we're going to have pinatas we We're going to have a bouncy house. We have them to, like, color and stuff. So, kids be kids, and then we're going to have a resource fair. So, para los adultos que pueden aprovechar to, like, find whatever resources is, you know, benefits them. So, for example, we have um, Arkansas Early Education, you know, it's, a program that, you know, if they help, you know, young moms or if they're pregnant or if they need any like resources, we're gonna have the women's shelter there too, you know. That's we cool. have we have Jennifer the court advocate. So in case, you know, if she you guys need to help file an order of protection or if you know, all that stuff with the women's shelter, she can help you there too. We have like a like almost 20, 20 businesses that are gonna come out. We have an immigration mm-hmm. um, attorney that's gonna come out there too. So okay. So yeah, and the Consolado del Salvador is gonna be there. Oh sorry. El Consolado del Salvador is gonna be there. So that one meant a lot to me, the fact that they're mm. gonna be there. So
0: have you been to their offices already?
2: No, I have not. I have mm. not. I've I been went there
0: like a day after it opened and they gave me a tour. It's cool. Yeah it's just cool to see that there's a Salvadorian uh consulado yeah. here. Yeah. You
2: know? Yeah, exactly. So ori- so I'm is not it the one in Springdale? Yeah. yeah. On it's Sunset, on, right? On yeah. Sunset. It's okay, I got it. Okay.
0: It's blue like the yeah, Salvadoran.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not originally from like Northwest Arkansas, I was raised in um, Van Buren, Fort Smith. Okay. So, uh, you should, so one thing that I've noticed that in Fort Smith, Van Buren, to me, I didn't feel like it was so much diverse. There's not that mm-hmm. much diversity. So when I moved up here, it was when I saw that when I saw like the Salvadoran flag and everything. I actually the first time I came here was like with the Salvadoran festival. I just loved it, a hundred percent. So. Um kind of stuff like that is, like, what we kind of wanted to um, do with Piñata Sam. So, um, so yeah, we have um, someone who's going to be giving out free tacos.
0: Um, free,
2: free tacos? Free tacos. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Ban- well, tacos. Banco C. free Well, tacos. Banco is going to be giving out 100 pupusas out. So, there's pupusas oh, wow. también. Um, so, you know, we have, you know, we're going to also have, like, a snack table. So it's going to be, like, a day for the kids, too. You I don't know? think
0: we've mentioned the location.
1: Yeah,
2: where's Oh, it's going to be at the Jones Center. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I
0: mean, it sounds good, Angie, <laughs> but, like, we're
3: <laughs> It's going
2: to be at the Jones Center. Okay, it's So okay. it's not going to be exact. It's So it's at the Jones Center, but it's going to be behind it. Like, it's in front of the nonprofit. So that's where
0: be they be. do the, is it where they do the Salvadoran Festival? It's, yes,
2: mm-hmm. exactly. Salvadoran Festival, Arkansas, when they've done all that stuff.
0: Okay, dokie, so April 22nd, remind people of the time again? 12 to 4. 12 to 4 o'clock, and any, everybody can go?
2: Anybody can go. Bring your kids, bring your friends' kids. Don't bring any... Your dogs. You know? Bring your dogs, yes. <laughs> um. I have a French bulldog. I have a Frenchie named Rinko, and he's part of this NWA <laughs> Frenchie thing, and I told them to bring your Frenchies. Bring any type mm-hmm. of dog you want. Let, Just let's end Shana this leash. podcast
0: talking about our dogs. Okay. Okay, <laughs> so you have you have one dog?
2: I have three. But okay. two of them live with my mom, but I have one with me right now.
0: And what kind of dogs are they?
2: Rico is a Frenchie. He's a French bulldog. And then the other two is Emmy and Nessa. Um, she is a, they're both Chihuahuas, and mm. they were both rescues.
0: Okay. Yeah. So all, all three of them live with you?
2: No, two of them. So Emmy and Nessa, the girls, they live with my mom. Rico oh. lives with me.
0: Okay, because I don't think three dogs is a lot. No,
2: they are a lot. (laughs) When they're together and I go to my mom's house every weekend to Fort Smith or Van Buren, they're a lot. They don't (laughs) like Rico because he's a boy.
0: (laughs) So... What about you, Elena? Do you have a dog?
1: No, I don't have a dog. We Come don't. on, Elena. it'll change your have life. Time. That's true. You <laughs> know what? I, I respect you for that.
0: <laughs> you have to have time because it's yeah. like I'm not saying you have to like like you have to do it. I'm saying that you do have to have time to like have a dog. they're
1: yes. no, like I another have child. I I, have, I love my brother's dog, Klaus. He's a Rottweiler. He's amazing and he loves oh, me. And yeah. Whenever I see them and him, and you know, that's a fun time. But yeah, they're a lot of work, and I don't have that responsibility right now.
3: I if you know. like sleeping in and not being woken up early, don't get one. <laughs> Let me tell you. What kind of dog do you have? I have an Aussie doodle. And then I have a Staffy. Well, I think she's a Staffy. I don't know. We rescued her. Yeah, we rescued her outside of Petco. (laughs) 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 She's amazing. She's so cute. And then the Aussie doodle, I I think, I want to say I rescued him, too, from a litter. Mm. Yeah, so. um,
0: Doodles are, like, they're high high maintenance, kind of. I don't know. Let me tell tell you something. Do you
3: agree? Almost two hundred dollars. Oh two hundred? Almost oh.
0: two hundred, yeah. Depending on how
3: matted they're they are yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything.
0: Where, where do you take them to get their haircut? Well, you don't wanna you don't wanna promote them, okay? No, 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 <laughs>
3: no, 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 no. Hold on. It's because the caffeine kicking in and I feel like I got ADHD <laughs> in my brain. That's why I kinda like go off. Um Is it in Benville? No, it's in Springdale. It it's it's like on
0: Bark B- Avenue, is it?
3: It's on Sunset, actually. Behind, uh, I think it's Walgreens.
0: On Sunset.
3: Pretty dog know. grooming. I don't know.
0: But they do a good job there. Yeah. Okay, dude.
3: They look like they know what to do. Like for, for doodles, because I know expensive. it's so hard to it's find. Kind of
0: expensive, though.
3: <sighs> I'm telling we you. We pay
0: like for our when the worst that he's ever been matted. I think we've paid like sixty, seventy dollars. Stop. Yeah. So maybe. Pero you know, is yours little.
3: Cause mine, no, pretty, kinda, kinda they, they go based on weight and pound and he's, like. Well,
0: he's sixty pounds. Um mm. I'm not sure how how much hair your dog has. Maybe he. Your a dog. Lot. Okay, that's probably it. He's my
2: little nappy boy. That's probably it. <laughs> <though>. Probably <laughs> had
0: a bunch of. Uh, probably me. has a bunch of hair. Not
2: me. Joe gratis it. con mis manos. I'll be oh, taking <laughs> care I of can. me, I can't. I can't. Well, Rico is very. He's such. He's he's really like a child. He's like on the hip with me. Like we make fun of him because he's very, like, a Salvadoran child, you know? Not a Salvadoran child. I mean, like, a Salvadoran <laughs> child to me. I mean, why because, you got to label like, that? Th- that? my mom used to say, like, like they're a Salvadoran, Salvadoran child because, like, once, like, you give them something, they're, like, always following you or something, uh-huh. so... That's, at least that's what my mom I thought that's say. how children are no <laughs> so over there they're like following no matter what that's like it's a small thing over there
0: she'd buy him one of those little do they make do they make those doggy shirts of naive Bukele no, no but we, don't. we bought
2: <laughs> that him would one be we bought him a shirt over there in El Salvador and this lady was like oh los niños de, de que están en los Estados Unidos son grandes yeah. It's for tu hijo I'm like yeah <laughs> it's mm-hmm.
0: for my dog I mean I I I would make him a little a little Nayib Bukele I'm pretty sure it'll become viral because like naive is so popular right now. Yeah. Um but thank you all for being here. I appreciate I hopefully some of the folks that are listening today well actually let me let me rephrase that. Hopefully there's not folks listening that need these resources. But if there is yes. folks but if there is mm-hmm. folks that are listening that need these resources, um you all know how to how to contact Angie, how to contact Sarah or how to contact the organization in general to be able to get these resources.
3: Yes. Um and real quick the crisis hotline, the number is one eight hundred six five six forty six seven three. 656
0: 4673 Okie dokie. There you go. Repeat it one more time just to make sure people. Yeah.
3: So it's one eight hundred six five six. 656
2: 46.73. So that's a national.
3: That's program. an. Oh, my goodness. So I just <laughs> now realized that. <laughs> I'm nasi- so sorry, that's guys. That's national.
2: Cri- the crisis hotline. But if you want hours. Hours is the 794.
3: So. Nine four. so it's 1-800-794-4175. One more time one eight hundred seven nine four forty one seven five y para los que hablan espanol uno ochocientos siete nueve una vez más uno ochocientos siete y es una línea de crisis disponibles 24 horas siete días de la semana
0: sounds good well angie sara thank you both for being here today really thank, you. You. So, you nice. to thank you, you. Thank for having us For providing these resources And for everybody listening, that was the end of episode 184 of the District 3 podcast. My name is Edivine.
1: And this is Elena.
0: Signing off.